The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 21, Murder House Part 1. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, we're currently looking for more personal ghost stories, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to thenightowlpodcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. We'd love to consider it for the show. Tonight, we're going to take you on a slightly darker journey than usual. One that has this Night Owl team packing our bags, hitting the road, and traveling to a home that was the recent site of a double homicide. Martin and his girlfriend Veronica recently have decided to rent this home, fully aware of the tragedy that occurred within its walls, but with the intention of putting it out of their minds and enjoying the lovely new space for themselves and their family. But soon, Martin finds himself having strange feelings, insomnia, ghostly sightings, and eventually, physical attacks by an unseen presence in the home. Desperate for help, Martin reaches out to us to see if we can provide any answers to his experiences and determine if this activity has anything to do with the horrible act that was committed in their home a few years ago. Stay tuned. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order, so we highly recommend that you stop here and begin your journey with us on Episode 1, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. Okay, it's nearly October, so we have a ton of announcements for you. And believe me, you're not going to want to skip these because it could mean that you miss your chance to attend some of our amazing upcoming October events. We've lined up a lot for you listeners. Live ghost stories, costume parties, midnight markets, film festivals, and ghost tours. So listen up. First and foremost, it's official. We're having our second annual Autumnal Story Mixer on October 12th. So mark those calendars. But instead of Pioneer Farms, this year we're celebrating at another haunted location from our show the Spider House Cafe. And believe me, we're taking full advantage of these haunted grounds, featuring not just live ghost stories on stage, but also live music, food trucks, ghost tours, a costume contest, and a market of the macabre, with vendors selling oddities and obscurities. We're calling this night of spooks and specters a nightmare on Fruit Street. Tickets are limited and will go on sale early to our Patreon supporters on August 30th at the stroke of midnight. Then, on September 2nd, We'll open up any remaining tickets online to the general public. If you want a chance to get tickets to this event, the best way is to become a patron of our show at patreon.com slash the Night Owl Podcast. Secondly, we will be hosting another Night of Ghost Stories at the 26th Annual Austin Film Festival. The date of this event is still to be determined, but it will happen sometime during the festival, which is October 24th through the 31st. Keep an eye on our website, Instagram, and Facebook pages for updates. And now we have a couple of calls to action for you listeners. A call for live storytellers for our events and to nominate us in the Austin Chronicles Best of 2019 ballad. Firstly, we need live storytellers for these two big October events that I just told you about. We're looking to select 10 live storytellers to get up on stage and share their personal ghost stories with a live audience. We want dynamic stories that are unique and interesting and that can fill a 10 to 15 minute time slot. If you're selected as a storyteller, there are perks and prizes that go along with the fact that you'll be featured on the podcast and you and a guest are obviously invited to attend the event for free. The deadline to submit is September 9th, so stop hesitating and submit those ghost stories now. It's easy. Just go to thenightoutpodcast.com slash submit and type up your story. 
That's thenightowlpodcast.com slash submit. Secondly, we really, really need your help getting nominated for Best Austin Podcast in the Austin Chronicle's Best of 2019 ballot. It's easy. Just go to theaustinchronicle.com and click on the Best of Austin voting link. From there, you'll need to put in your personal info, but then you can jump to our category using a Jump To drop-down menu at the top of the ballot. Jump to the Politics and Media section and type in the Night Out Podcast in the local podcast category to nominate us. Nominations are now open, but they close on September 3rd. So hurry. Don't wait. Lastly, we'll be taking part in a fun Austin Public Library after dark event called Spooky Scary. We'll have a booth showing off some of our evidence, techniques, and methods, as well as some ways to test your own psychic ability. This event is also doing an indoor mock campfire, so bring your ghost stories because we'll be listening out for great ones to include in our show. Outside our booth, there will be many others at this event where you can learn about tarot, UFOlogy, and take a peek at some ancient spirit writing devices from the Mysterious Planchette Collection. This event will be held at the Central Library in Austin on October 25th from 7 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $7 and will go on sale mid-September on the Austin Public Library website. Stay tuned for this and all of our other amazing events coming this October. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs and always delivered on time. Oboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. Mention the Night Owl podcast and get $50 off your first order. It was March of 2019, and I was wrapping up the Buenos Aires case and moving on to revisit Pioneer Farms research when I got a text from my team member, Alexis. He said that we needed to hop on a call because he might have another case for us. Apparently a customer at the Green and White Botanica here in Austin, who traveled often from out of town to see John, the owner, had mentioned to John that he was having issues in his current house. John knows us and that Alexis does cleansings, so he had this young man reach out to Alexis. But when Alexis learned of his situation, Alexis got me on the phone right away. So uh, I got a phone call from a guy who got my number from John over at the Green and White Grocery. And he was telling me that he was having some problems and he wanted me to go to a cleansing at his house. So I asked him what's going on. And that's when he told me that there was a double homicide in his house. Then I guess shortly after that happened, another family moved in and they abandoned the property. They left everything behind, furniture, food in the fridge, and they even left their pets, their dogs and everything behind. When they moved on the property, they had to deal with a lot of that stuff. But his theory is that they, you know, got spooked by something. And that's why he thinks that maybe this is something that's, you know, continuously happening and that happened to the people that, that lived there before. So I asked him what's going on in you know, around the house, and he said that he's having a lot of trouble with things going missing around the house, and he has seen some shadows, some uh, kind of dark figures in, in, like, clouds, and then he also said that the spirit pushed him, or whatever it is there. So when he told me this, I told him that I could do a cleansing for him, but it would be best if I've got the team involved, that way we could really find out what's going on because I have a feeling this is going to take more than our usual basic cleansing. Did he give you any details about the homicide at all when he told you about it? Okay. So he told me that uh, there was a man and a woman that were murdered in the house. They don't know who did it. And because of that, that's what he thinks that they may still be there. 
Uh, he also sent me an article that described the whole murder, and I'll send that to you so you can take a look. Okay, cool. So with the nature of this case, it's obviously a little bit darker than most of our cases. We're going to a private residence, and apparently there's been an unsolved double homicide in the house. Do we really want to, like, bring Sarah right away? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we should go first? I think we should definitely go check it out first and see if I pick up on anything because I'll know right away if there's something really dark there. Um, the other thing we can also look into is, is it, it's a, you know, it's a possibility that this spirit or whatever is there may have nothing to do with this murder. So we should definitely just go and, and scope it out first. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Have a Alexis and I made a plan to go visit Martin in the house on March 29th. In the meantime, I wanted to have a look into this open homicide case. First things first, I verified that the address checked out. There was, in fact, a recent double homicide at this residence. I then dove a little deeper and gathered more details surrounding the murder, the victims, and the suspects. This is still an unsolved murder. The killer, or killers, are still out there. There are several news articles out there containing detailed information regarding this case. But as per this family and the victim's family's requests, I'm going to keep these articles as well as the location and all the names involved private. Because of the sensitive nature of this case, I need to take a moment to request something of you listeners. I know many of you are just as curious and driven as I am, so if you happen to uncover which case this is, I'm formally requesting that you do not publicly share this information or post links to the articles about this case on social media that tie it directly to our episodes. Safety and privacy are of serious concern with this case, and I thank you in advance for your respect on this issue. But back to the case. I'll admit, this one had me a little bit more nervous than usual. There were several things running through my mind. First and foremost, I wondered if there was anything paranormal actually going on at all. You have to take into consideration that the knowledge of a murder occurring in your house can conjure up imagery and feelings of nervousness and anxiety. A horrible act occurred where you live, eat, and sleep. It's going to seep into your thoughts every now and then. So I wondered if Martin had merely been affected by the knowledge of the incident and it had him more on edge. But let's look at the other side of things. Both of the victims died traumatically in the home. It's theorized that trauma can trap a soul, leaving them restless and confused, and sometimes even angry about what happened to them. Could this activity that Martin is experiencing be directly linked to the restless soul of one of the poor victims of this crime? I hope that our upcoming visit would shed some light on these questions. But before our trip, I wanted to introduce myself to Martin and get briefed on the activity that he was experiencing in the home. Hello, this is Martin. I'm, I'm having some trouble here at the house. At uh, the green and white, uh, John gave me Alexa's number and Alexis is the one that told me to call you. At the house that I, that I moved into, uh, there was a, a, a double homicide a few years ago. I'm not sure if that's what, what, what's happening. A lot of my things keep getting misplaced. We have a certain spot where we keep the keys, and for some reason they end up all over the house. I misplaced my toolbox keys, and I had to order new ones. I found them inside the toolbox, broken. I also see a lot of shadows out of the corner of my eye throughout the house. The doors open on their own. In the bathroom, you hear the water turn on sometimes. I also felt a presence, but I felt like it pushed me when I was uh, in, in the bathroom. Before I was on my way to the bathroom, I had already see, I, I was starting to feel 
like something heavy around me and it was following me around and I started seeing a lot of shadows out of the corner of my eye. I kept saying, leave me alone and it'd go away for a little bit. And eventually I went to the, to go shower. When I was showering, I was standing just, you know, straight. And all of a sudden I just felt like a force, like push me. And well, I fell, you know, I slipped in there. I got upset, you know, I got out of the shower and I came out, you know, I went to my room and I sat down right there on the edge of the bed and I asked, what do you want? You know, I sat down and just like asked her, what do you want? And well, I started seeing like a shadow come out out of the corner of the room. And well, that's kind of the last thing I remember. My girlfriend said she... When she woke up, she found me, like, just laying there and with all the lights to the house on and all the doors open to the house. Yeah, after that, I just had trouble concentrating on anything. Like, I already had trouble sleeping here at the house. After all that started happening, it started getting worse. I started getting less and less sleep. And then whenever I would sleep, it felt like I didn't sleep at all, even though I would sleep for, you know, a good amount of hours, like eight, ten hours, and it would still feel like, I didn't sleep at all. The mo- the place I feel the most uncomfortable in is the garage right now. I don't know. I-, I feel like I'm being watched when I'm in the garage. I don't know. I just, I don't know where it just starts to feel like real scary. Like you start to feel a heavy presence around and it starts to get a little, a little weird in the house too. But it happens a lot in the garage to, to me. Well, I knew some people had died here at the house. You know, I, I really didn't know the whole story on it. I actually saw the actual person that I seen right there in the living room by, by, by the kitchen area. So I looked it up, and whenever I looked uh, looked up the whole story on what happened here at the house, the guy that I had seen in the in the living room, whenever I looked him up, it looked like the guy in the story, the guy that, that was murdered here. From what I was told, the man was uh, shot, and he died instantly. Um, and the woman, she, she was, uh, stabbed and then she was, uh, shot. The man, he was, uh, he was shot over here by the, by the bathroom, by the main bathroom. He got shot in the, in the head, I believe. And the woman, she, in, in, in the main, in the master bedroom, she, she, she apparently tried to fight back. They found, uh, I guess, uh, skin, uh, where she tried to, fight back uh, on, on her fingernails. She was uh, stabbed multiple times and and then she was shot. I don't know exactly where she was shot. I just know she was shot. Uh, but yeah, the, the landlord's the one who gave us that information and then I looked it up and it was in, it was in the news article. My name is Veronica. We were looking for a location to move and um, I saw this house for rent, and so I stopped to to get the phone number, and I called the woman when I was actually outside of the house and told her that I was interested, got all the rental information, and before we hang up, she says, um, I just want to let you know that there was a murder, a double murder in the house. If you don't want to rent, it's okay. I understand, and I said, no, that's fine. Let me just talk to Martine, my boyfriend, and see what we think about this, and then you know we'll come and we'll see the property. So I talked to him. He didn't seem to care that much about it either. 
But as we were asking about what was going on with the house and the previous renters, because the house was in such horrible condition, things were left behind. Their animals, their dogs were left behind. So um, the house needed quite a bit of work. The landlord couldn't explain why they left. They just up and left. So that was really weird on our part and well, their part. Uh, we were just trying to figure out what would make them leave. But nobody seemed to know. Apparently, the landlord didn't know for a while. And then she made a house check and they were not here. So that was really strange. But as we cleaned everything up and moved in, everything seemed fine. But anyone that would come over would feel weird around here. Like they felt like somebody was watching them or it just felt a little like there was always eyes on you when you were here. Um, even if you were alone, it just comfortable house, but it just feels like somebody's always with you. Martine is the one who started having more experiences with this, some activity, I guess. He says that things like start moving around. One occasion he says that he asked to see the ghost and it like appeared in a black form. We were arguing a lot, which was strange. Just negative feeling in the home like we'd be fine out of the home but once we'd come home it was very negative which is not like us always tired always tired it's like no matter how much we'd sleep we were just we're just tired kind of didn't want to come home at times um just things like that We arrived at dusk on March 29th. The house was somewhat isolated on a small country road. It was still within a small neighborhood of the town, but definitely wasn't surrounded by many neighboring houses. Across the street was just a long fence line lined with brush and trees. To the left of the house was the same, but there appeared to be a creek within these trees, and it seemed to cut around to the back of the house. The only close neighbor was directly to the right, but a tall fence and more trees maintained a level of solitude for this property. As Alexis and I got our gear situated, we noticed that there were a lot of cars in the driveway. Turns out just a bunch of family and friends. I asked him if we could take a walk to the back of the house where it was quieter, and we could get acquainted and ease into the stories surrounding this case. But when we made it to the backyard just outside the entrance to the garage, Martin just sort of dove in. So I quickly got my mic rolling. Um, yeah, I've been trying to clean this garage out. I mean, I just can't seem to get anywhere with it. You can tell. <laughs> it's been like this for a while. You know, like I said, I've been living here for a year already. I have trouble sleeping, so I'm up all night. In here, the other day, I was here in the garage, and I just started feeling, like, really, really cold. Started getting all scared, and I just went inside. Then later, I had my friend come out that, like, another time, and I was here at night. And then he started looking around, like, he started getting uncomfortable. And he said, hey, man, I think I'm going to go home. Well, okay. I'll see you later. He left. Uh, he went through the garage door. I went in through the side door right here, going inside the house. And when I tried to go through the door, I felt something like weight pulling me back. It felt weird. I said, leave me alone. Let me go. And I was able to walk. I went into the kitchen, and then I started seeing things out the side of my, like the corner of my eye. And I was like, okay. And then it started happening more and more, and it had me going around in circles. I was like, all right, like, leave me alone. And then that's when I felt like my shirt get pulled back. 
I said, okay, it's time for me to leave this room. My girlfriend was in the shower. She was um, in the, the bathroom over there. So I put my back up against her, and I just waited there. And I was scared. And um, she came out of the bathroom. I didn't even tell her anything, you know. Like I said, it was a little late. It was like 11, you know, like 11, 11.30. I didn't want to wake anybody else up either. I went to the bathroom. I showered. When I was in the shower, um, I just felt like I fell, like something pushed me. And, like, I was, you know, playing my arms, you know, and I didn't have time to stick my arms out. I just felt, boom. And I had a big old bruise on the side of my shoulder right here. Like, I felt pretty good. Then that night, I went in my room. When I was in my room, I was like, you know, I was was like, let me meditate, see if I can feel him or actually see him, you know, whatever it is. But, like I said, I saw, like, a black shadow. Like, it didn't look like a person. We hadn't quite entered the home yet. We were still standing just outside the garage exit in the backyard. I asked Martin about this presence he'd been feeling around him. He said that he felt it targeted him only, and that the rest of the family thought he was crazy. I then proceeded to ask him if he believed this presence was either of the two murder victims that lost their lives in this house. He went on to tell me a little more about the full-bodied apparition he saw of a man standing in his kitchen around the time he got the house. I had seen a person here before, like when I first moved in. He was over there in the kitchen. He looked like a Caucasian man, you know. I looked online on the story, and it was that guy. I hadn't seen him before. But uh, I saw the guy there, and then I looked at the picture. I was like, oh, this is the guy I saw just yesterday. He was just standing. He was just standing like this, just facing forward, no motion, nothing. He was just there. He wasn't messing with me or anything. He just, I seen him there. I, you know, like shook my head, like, you know, rubbed my eyes, and then he was gone. I did a lot of the uh, copal, what's it called, incense. I did a lot of those, and when we first moved in, like the incense, they usually last about an hour. They wouldn't last 10, 15 minutes. Like you could literally watch them. Like you had to turn the flame off. But you would see them just go all the way down, like, really, really fast. At first, I thought that was how they were. But I asked uh, John at the store, and he said, no, they usually last about an hour. After a few days of trying that, uh, later I couldn't keep the lighters on. And they laugh at me because one time I was like, all right, leave me alone. They're like, who are you talking to? This lighter keeps turning off, and for no reason, there's no wind in here. Like, this is a torch. It's not supposed to turn off. And they would turn off. But like I said, when I first moved in here, it was it was real, real spooky. After I did the incense, it got better. But last couple of months, last month maybe, it's been getting weird again. Everybody's always tired now. Like when we first moved in here, everybody was always tired. Now even the dogs are scared. And they don't want to stay out here. They want to always go over there with us now. Where do you feel the energy is worse, like mostly here? Um, here on this side of the house and right there. Like in there or just on, in the yard? Just in that area. Like, you know, the yard, yes, but that uh, shed in particular, like even in the inside, it just feels weird. Martin's describing a small wooden shed about 30 feet from the back of his house, centered in the backyard. Uh, it used to be a little... Yeah, it's a little shed, but it used to be like a little room that they used to rent out to somebody else. 
My girlfriend's dad tried staying there a few nights, and he says that he would hear uh, the walls being scratched on all night. And so he moved it, he moved his bed to the middle of the room, and then that's when he said he heard it worse. Martin had quickly gone through and broken down a lot of the experiences and reported activity at the home. But I wanted to know a little bit more about how he obtained the house and how they decided to live here with the knowledge of the murders. When you got the house, were you already aware of what happened here? Mm-hmm. How did you find out, or how did you know? My girlfriend told me. Okay. She's the one that, we needed to move out from where we were at, or at least was up. She saw this house, like, oh, it looks nice, you know, rent's not horrible. It's big enough for everybody, you know, for her and the kids. And she said, but there's a bad side, there's somebody died here. I was like, okay, well, how'd they die? She's like, well, actually, two people died. I was like, <laughs> I was like okay, I mean, well, people die everywhere. People do die everywhere. So I'm like, whatever, it'll be all right. In this moment, Martin changed gears a bit and started to inform me that his grandma, who lives in Mexico, is a practicing curandera, which in Latin American culture is a healer or medicine woman. He informed me that she recently called to warn him that she had knowledge that there was a strong presence in his home. Well, my grandma, she she does, she sees stuff too. She does all the cards and stuff like that. She's in Mexico. She's like, hey, there's something at your house. And I was like, okay. She's the one that's the one that started telling me, hey, get rid of it, I'm doing this and that. And then that's when I went to the store and I started buying stuff there. Eventually they went away. Well, I called her about a week ago. And she said, um, she's the one that told me, you got only got rid of one. She said, and that was the, the one that wasn't the bad one. She said, there's still like a darker one there. That's what she told me. I don't, I'm not. And like I said, the, I, the figure that I seen, it was a figure, it wasn't a person, it was a black shadow looking thing. And like I've seen them before, like I've seen like light gray ones, and those aren't scary. You know what I mean? You see it like it's like a little cloud. I mean, a little spooky, but I mean, it's not scary. This thing was scary. My girlfriend said she's, she found me like laid out with lights on, doors open and everything. But right before I, you know, came out of the shower, all, my, all the lights were off. All, you know, every, you know, doors were closed. I mean, I was, I was getting ready to go to bed. She said she found me like spread out like this, passed out. My grandma said, like, if you relax and just say, you know, why are you here? You know, try to try to understand why it's there, who, like, where it's at. Sometimes they'll tell you. She says, so just close your eyes, sit down, relax, and ask them. Like, you know, she said, just think about it and just ask them. She if they want you to know, they'll tell you. She said, but you want, it's, you have to know. Like, like you have to know what you want, she says, because if you don't, they're not going to tell you. They won't listen to you because you, they think you were just playing. I mean, it could have been a dream, but, I mean, it felt real, real. Did you feel any sort of male-female connected to it? Did you feel nothing no, connected to nothing. it? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Like I said, the guy, well, I seen the guy, and I wasn't scared of him. Mm-hmm. And I seen him like, like, like a person. But, like I said before, it was spooky, but it wasn't entirely scary. You know, I hadn't been scared like this. How long ago was the scary incident with the figure that you couldn't tell what it was? About a week ago. Well, you said that you saw things kind of zipping by in the kitchen? They were black. Black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started feeling scared, like, I don't know, like, 
it just felt funny. I don't, I don't know. May, maybe I'm just not used to that. I don't know. Maybe it was just trying to get my attention. I don't know. At this point, we'd been on the property for about an hour. Martin had openly went through all the activity he could remember, and he remained consistent with his stories. Even in their retellings, the details remained the same, and he seemed genuine in his recollection of them. A couple of things I was noting was that there was a darker presence felt in the garage, backyard, and shed of the property. Martin admitted that these were the areas that he was most uncomfortable, and others who visited the property seemed to have a similar sentiment. From what I was told and read about, the murders occurred inside the home. If the darker activity Martin was experiencing was connected to the homicide, I wondered why the bad energy would be concentrated outside the home. But Alexis and I kept listening intently, feeling out the case, and taking notes. And when we get back from this short break, Martin will finally guide us into the home, take us to the exact locations where he had his personal experiences, and then reveal to us where the murders actually took place and where the bodies of the two victims were discovered. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop, custom printed t-shirts made in Austin with love. Now, there are many reasons why I love this family-owned print shop and why Oh Boy is my go-to shop for all things Night Owl, but let me pick one to rave to you about today. Have you ever ordered custom tees from an event or bought some from your favorite band or company? only to realize that they're thick, scratchy, and look like you're wearing a bag that isn't very flattering on you? Well, that's one thing that won't happen to you when you're with Oh Boy Print Shop. They offer a variety of t-shirts to provide the right choice to meet your needs. I myself prefer comfortable, slightly fitted tees that look and feel awesome enough to wear every day, either by themselves or under a throwover shirt or sweater. Oh Boy Print Shop helped me pick out a tee that fit those needs, and honestly, when I open my closet in the morning, I skip all my other tees and go straight for the night owl shirt, because it's the most comfortable and flattering tea in my entire closet now. Oh Boy's aim is to provide you with the options that help you get the product that meets your every need. So, there's no more need for hesitating. Order your first batch of custom printed teas with Oh Boy Print Shop today, and you'll be in great hands. Plus, now you can get $50 off your first order by simply mentioning the Night Owl Podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit ohboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. With all that I'd heard, I was anxious to step foot inside now. Alexis, too. He doesn't have the gift that Sarah does, but he does possess some level of intuition and psychic ability, where he mostly senses things or has an occasional sighting. So I was interested to see what he would feel after spending some time in the home. But before entering, Martin took us over and showed us the shed that many are uneasy with. Well, this is where my girlfriend's dad is where he used to stay. Um, he said that he would feel the doors getting scratched on. And that's when he moved the bed to the middle and he just said, no, I'm out of here. He said he, it sounded like uh, claws on the sides of the walls. And that's when he pulled this over here. Like I said, he was here for like not very long. He's always liked to live. You know what I mean? By himself. At the other place he was at, like it was just like a little shed too. And now, Martin took us into the home through the back entrance. And this is the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I was in here. I started seeing it like come around me in circles, like that. Because I was coming in through that door, coming over here, and that's I started. I felt like I was getting pulled out that way. That way, okay. And that's the door to the garage. Got it. 
when we're coming in. So I started feeling something pull me. Mm-hmm. Came in here, tried to get some some cereal, and I started seeing all of the cereal. Yes, and then that's when I was I was right here facing this way, and I felt something pull me back that way. Martin's referring to the incident that happened recently where he was coming in from the garage and felt a presence pulling him backward. Then, once he made it into the kitchen, he began to see shadows darting on either side of him, just out of his field of vision. It was then that he felt his shirt tugged backward while he was standing in the kitchen. When we first moved in here, there was like a like a dead smell in here a lot. It was in this area, too. We've already moved everything out. There's nothing... And it's gone? You haven't smelt it no. in a while? Okay, good. This house was real bad. People that lived here before, they just moved out. The fridge was completely full of food, and then they just left. Like, they had just gone grocery shopping and they just never came back. They forgot their dogs and everything. Like, in here, it smelled bad, really bad. And like I said, we've been trying to make it better. Martin then showed me where he had the ghostly sighting of what he believes was the male victim and former resident of this home. I was right there by that, um... By the table? And he was, it was right here. Oh, okay. Facing that way. Oh, that close? Yeah, it was. Were you doing something you turned and saw? I was messing with the TV, plugging stuff in, and I turned around like, oh, what are you doing there? <laughs> Did it have any sort of property of, like, translucency at all, or was he really solid? Not in, um, he looked a little different. He didn't look, like, real like us, but he looked very real. Like, you couldn't, I couldn't see through him, but you could tell it wasn't there. And like I said, I wasn't scared. I was spooked, yeah. I wasn't yeah, scared. Yeah. Just then, we heard a noise coming from the hallway bathroom. Yeah, what was that? The toilet. Like I said, they stay running. They don't turn off. Wow. And you gotta go over there and you gotta jiggle the... Oh, yeah. Like I said, everything in there is brand new. You know, everything in there is new. And what happens with the sinks? They're not leaking right now. Okay. But sometimes they'll be like this. Oh, okay. They'll be like that. Yeah. And you come over here and you try to close them, and they're closed all the way. But they'll be like this. Like that. Okay. And like I said, you close them, they'll stay running. Mm -hmm. Like right now, they're not running. We're standing in the doorway to the bathroom in the hallway. This is apparently where the male victim was shot and killed. We moved to the right and entered Martin and Veronica's bedroom. Standing here, it's hard not to imagine what occurred in this space. This is where the female victim was attacked and killed. After the male victim fell, the attacker moved into the bedroom and began stabbing the female victim. She was stabbed numerous times, then eventually was shot and killed. Family said that many of her nails were broken, they believe from scratching and clawing at her attacker. This is where Martin and Veronica now sleep, or try to at least. How's your sleep been? I know you said you have a hard time sleeping here. It's been really, really bad. When I first got here, well, my, I couldn't sleep very well. It's gotten a little worse. I feel like it's gotten a little worse. Mm-hmm. Like I can sleep for a good while and I just wake up super tired or I can't wake up at all. Sometimes they'll say I'll even be talking to them and answering questions. I'll have a full conversation with them and I don't remember. I didn't used to do that. This is also the room that Martin focused and asked the darker presence he felt to show itself to him. And so you were on this bed meditating... Yes. I'll sit here. And I said, well, let me see you. And that corner started getting real dark. And then I just seen it right here. Martin pointed to the far right corner near the ceiling. 
This is where the dark, shadowy thing appeared to him. He doesn't believe it was human. It felt darker and more menacing. Just then, he remembered seeing another dark figure. But this one was outside in the front yard. He took us over to show us where he'd seen it. Um, I saw a shadow outside the tree. There. Up there? Mm-hmm. What did it look like? Just like a, um, like a dark shadow. It wasn't black, though. It wasn't black. It was just darker. Kind of like a little oval. It, was, it looked like it was like on the branch or something. Okay. How far back was that this? That was like two days ago. I felt like I, like I was out here, and I was coming home. It was like 8, 8.30, and I felt like something was watching me, and I was looking around like something like looking at me, and I looked up, and it was like a... Like a like a shape, like a figure. It was already a little darker, so you know, like I could, wasn't able to make out any details. Mm-hmm. Of course, the first time that we came in here, we were kind of spooked out because they told us. And then my boyfriend decided to ask where everything happened, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, that's the spot," you know. So that was a little freaky. Mainly, it's like the room in the back, the storage room, where I kind of feel like somebody's in there. I won't go back there. For the most part, in here. He's the one that, you know, kind of is, I guess, more in tune with that. Veronica admitted that most of the activity seemed to be isolated around Martin, her boyfriend. But I wanted to know more about how she felt in the house. This area right here is, I would say, the most. Where, like, I get spooked out the most when I'm coming out, especially with this mirror here. I'm always afraid that I'm going to see something there (laughs) when I come out of the rooms. We were standing in the hallway where the male victim was apparently shot and killed. My room sometimes feels a little weird. This room feels like somebody's looking at you all the time. It's just mainly like the feeling like somebody's watching you or somebody's there. You mentioned earlier that your grandmother does things. She used to. She passed. Yeah, she used to do uh, the tarot cards and stuff. She used to tell me that it was real and, you know, whatever, and I'm more like, you got to see it to believe it kind of person. She would always have people come over and... She would read the cards and, you know, all this stuff. And when I was about 15, she's like, you know, when are you going to let me read the cards to you? And I said, well, I don't want you to. Because in my mindset, it's like somebody tells you this stuff is going to happen and you do what you can to make it happen. That's what I thought. So then one day she said, hey, go to my altar in my room, grab the cards, open them. Somebody's going to come for a reading. Put them on the table, but take them out of the box. I said, okay. So I went to the room, got the box. Open it up, not thinking, touch the cards, put them on the table. And I said, okay, it's ready to go. And she says, have a seat. You touch the cards. So she tricked me. And she did tell me some things that um, I obviously could not control. And they happened, and then I was like, oh, shoot, this is real. But like I said earlier, I mean, I work at a hospital. I work with a lot of elderly people, and I've seen a lot of people pass. I've helped clean them up and prepare them. I helped prepare my grandmother when she passed away. So to me, it's more like, yes, there's always something around, you know. I, like I said, we're, we're, we're not the only ones that lived here. Um, there has been many, many people before us, and there's always something here, something there, you know. That's just my take on it. And then the people who lived here before us, I don't know what went on. They just kind of took off, Left didn't take anything with them. And I have a friend that used to visit them. And she was like, yeah, it was really spooky in here. I don't know what happened. They would say weird things would happen. She's like, so what happened to them? I said, I don't know. They just left, and they left all their things behind. They even left their dogs behind. But I don't know. I mean, I don't 
feel that way. Okay. I actually like it here. Yeah. <laughs> With my grandmother, we used to go to that green and white grocery store. You know, there's this store if you want to go. And so we read about smudging and all this stuff, and we did that. I did that with my boyfriend, and then he did it by himself. But they told him that he, they needed to be somebody a little stronger and not as scared. So they told me to do it, but then he decided to do it by himself, and then he kind of spooked himself out more. And he felt better after that. And then it kind of getting worse again for him. Do you have any ideas right now? Do you feel like it's okay right now? We shouldn't mess with anything? Or do you think it's good to do a little bit of a... I mean, there's definitely energy here. You feel it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I can't. I won't see it as much as Sarah will, but there's definitely energy here. And I felt it... It's really strange. I felt it mostly in the kitchen. And then... You're not the first person to say that. And then I walked over here, and I felt it in that hallway. And then afterwards, he was like, oh, yeah, it happened right here. I was like, oh, okay. But I felt it in the kitchen, and I almost, I, I don't know, I had this, this really weird feeling of something happened there. Like, like that's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny, because I have a friend that does, like, some witchcraft stuff, I guess, she says. And when she came here for the first time, she walked in here, and she said something happened. And she also said the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Alexis and I had done our initial sweep alone, without Sarah present this night. We were able to capture in more detail Martin and Veronica's testimony. And we also simply just took time to stand around and get a sense of the place. One observation that I had made that I didn't call out to the homeowners out of respect was that the place was incredibly cluttered and messy. Not everyone's like me in this sense, but I can't focus or concentrate when things are unorganized in my house. So it was really hard for me being in this house tonight because I found myself stepping over boxes, toys, and piles of clothes on the floor. But I'm not just pointing this out to embarrass the homeowners right now. I believe, in many cases I've researched, that the spiritual environment of a home can affect the physical, and vice versa. I wasn't sure if their cluttered home was an example of this in action, but seeing the symptoms Martin was exhibiting, the lack of sleep, confusion, losing items, etc., I felt that this might also be a result of the spiritual energy Martin was feeling attacked by. But this was only a hunch of mine so I just took note of it. But we were wrapping up for the night, and we felt it was going to be important to bring Sarah here soon. And before leaving, Alexis and I wanted to try to leave Martin and Veronica with some things to do to possibly alleviate some of the uneasy feelings that they were having in their home. You said, like, you get scared sometimes when you go through that yeah, hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And what, what you can do is, like, you know that's where it happened, right? right? So putting something positive there, like fresh flowers acknowledging, hey, I know this is where you passed and I know that there's a lot of energy here because of this is where you passed. So I'm offering these flowers to you as as saying, you know, I acknowledge that this happened to you and we're sorry and and we know that this was once your space, but now this is our space. And I think you're kind of already doing it now with the forcefulness of just saying like, leave me alone or get away from me, which is good. And especially if it's kind of being a little violent in a sense or like scaring you. But we also, and we always forget this a lot as people that do this, is that we, we have to be compassionate and remember that they didn't want to die. Right. You know, it happened because somebody else did it. So having that compassion and saying, you know, we acknowledge that you that you did pass here and we're sorry that you passed here, but we need you to remember that this is our home, this is where we live now, and, and you can't be messing with us right now. Alexis also offered them some advice on burning Palo Santo in the house. Um, but the thing in, in here that I think will work really well is Palo Santo. And have you ever seen Palo Santo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because the reason for that is Palo Santo removes the bad, but it brings in the good. 
And so you'll notice, like, when you burn copal, it's like, okay, it feels, it feels clean in here. But when you burn Palo Santo, you're like, it feels clean and it feels, it feels good like in good here. Energy. Because okay. it invites the good spirits in. I don't really necessarily want to remove them if it's nothing bad. They don't know why they're still here. And why are there people living in their house? They, this is our house, you mm-hmm. know. They don't understand. Because, especially when, when violent acts happen, the, the people, when they go to the other side, they don't understand what happened. Uh, in the case of the gentleman, for sure. I mean, because he was killed so quickly, he may not even know he's dead. And that's why whenever he called me and he was like, hey, can you do a cleansing of the house? I was like, I can do a cleansing and I can help get as much out. But I said, if we can get Sarah in here, she'll know exactly what what's going on. Okay. Because she sees him the way I see you right now. That, okay. that clear. As we're wrapping up, standing in the living room, Alexis spotted something in the kitchen. I had turned my mic off because we were about to leave, so I had to turn it on quickly. Just now? Yeah, right now. Because first, I've, I've, like, I felt that you get like a tingly sensation, like, uh, like when you get like chills, but not the whole body, just slight. And I look and then like, because I can't see the whole kitchen, this part, I just saw like somebody like this. Alexis imitates someone peering from behind a door frame. Just peeking out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a woman though, but not from the, from the stories, not one of them. It's a, it's a, like a elderly woman, like a grandmother. Like if she was cooking dinner and she saw that we were talking and she's like, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Like that. But there's something about this kitchen though. And I don't think it's the lady. I think this story about this, I think there's more to that, that yeah. we don't know about. That's what I'm feeling. Because, I'm, like, I, there's definitely something happened here, there, but something happened here. Hello? Hey, I got another hey. case for us. Uh, okay. As you know, I don't like to give you any sort of indication of what we're doing or where we're going, but this case, it's kind of a sensitive one. And I also want to preface it with. I kind of don't know and I'm unsure about this case. It's another private residence and I don't quite know what's going on. It's really, it's something I can't figure out and I don't want to bring you into that kind of situation where I don't even know what's going on and I don't want to put you in danger. So my stipulation is if you're feeling uncomfortable, like let me know and I, we don't have to take this. I mean, don't worry if something happens, I'll just not go inside. I don't know. Go figure something out. The other thing too is it's, not here in Austin and we actually will have to travel and we will have to pack our bags and go somewhere so we'll make some time if you're ready I'll get with the family because it is a private residence and we'll coordinate that and we'll figure out how we can get down there and see if we can help them out okay all right thanks all right sounds good no worries as we continue this series Sarah is brought in to see what she can uncover surrounding this sensitive case Martin's experiences begin to intensify as our investigation continues He begins calling me repeatedly, desperate for help, and the case grows so concerning that Sarah has to request Martin leave the home and come meet us privately in Austin, Texas, to see if we can get a read on him without disturbing the presence that seems to be targeting him in his home. Thanks for listening to episode 21 of the Night Owl Podcast. This series is still ongoing, and my aim is to wrap up Season 2 with this case. That means that if this series shapes up into three parts like usual, I will release Part 2 on September 9th instead of having a campfire, and the final concluding Part 3 of this series on September 30th. 
Season 3 will kick off on October 28th with a brand new investigative episode, so stay tuned. I'd like to thank my team, Sarah, Alexis, and Franklin for going on these crazy adventures with me, Nicholas Fair and Petey Wilder for your talented musical contributions to the show, Jennifer for keeping us organized and on schedule, as well as assistant editing, my dad, Sam, for his historical research assistance, Alex for his help assistant editing, and my very supportive wife, Tao, for sticking with me all these late nights and long hours, and for taking amazing photographs on every case. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. And to help keep this show going, and my team and I fed and caffeinated, please support us for as little as a dollar a month on our Patreon page. This contribution not only helps me keep this show alive, you gain access to a ton of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. So please visit patreon.com backslash the Night Owl podcast and become a Night Owl patron today. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Oh Boy Print Shop. If you have the need for custom t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl podcast to get $50 off your first order. And don't forget to stop by the Clay Pit in Austin, Texas and ask for the Night Owl Hidden Spirits menu. Grab a special haunted cocktail and support the show. Thank you all, and stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcast or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free. 